your Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alrighty now, what is up New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and Devils writer Trey Matthews. And it's the new year, everybody. It's January the 1st, 2021. And let's start this new year off right. I have a very special guest joining me on the show today. This man is the editor-in-chief for The Athletic. He's a former reporter and analysis for ESPN Hockey. And he's a podcast show host and also an author of a very good book that I recommend that you guys read. The link for that will be in the description below. It's Craig Custance. Yes, Craig Custance is joining me on the show today. I told you guys I had a very special guest in mind, and I kept my promise. So like I just said, let's start this new year off right, and I bet you guys are going to enjoy today's episode. In fact, where should you go and place your bets? Well, I need to inform you guys something before we bring them in. All right, everybody, are we ready for some college football? College football heads into the bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with a playoff picture because coming clear there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust go to betonline.ag sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for 50 percent welcome bonus talent talks about one or multiple options nfl games of the week or college football top games and even current headlines in sports don't sit on the sidelines anymore get on in the action don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts also check out social media visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business sign up for a free account and use the promo code locked on for your sign up bonus hashtag bet online get with it and get in the game everybody Okay, it's time to bring in Craig Custance, so take it away. Joining me on Locked On Devils via Uber Conference, he needs no introduction. He is the editor-in-chief for the NHL U.S. branch for The Athletic, former ESPN writer and reporter. He's also an author and the host of the Full 60 podcast show. It's Craig Custance. Craig, how are you doing? I'm good, Trey. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you for joining me on the Locked On Devils podcast network, and uh, let's get right into it. So let's talk about... Let's talk about humble beginnings. Where did journalism and hockey start for you specifically? Oh, uh, well, those are two different answers. Journalism started for me in Detroit growing up um, as an avid newspaper reader of the news and free press. Um, I was a big sports fan growing up in, as you know, a great sports town and uh, just became obsessed with with newspapers. I I loved opening them up and reading them on the floor of my living room growing up. And so, you know, realized that's something I really wanted to do and, and went to Michigan state where I got a journalism degree and, and really I thought I was going to be a baseball writer initially. And when I got an internship at the Atlanta journal constitution and I met a few baseball writers and they were like, here's what our world is like. And you're not home for for long stretches of time and you're on the, you're constantly on the road. And it's, it's really like, I got a inside look at just how difficult it was. 
um, and started doing helping out on the Atlanta Thrashers when they were still in Atlanta. And it seemed um, the, the the world of hockey was great. The the people in the game were, were incredible. Uh, the, you know, the first NHL player I ever interviewed was Ray Ferraro, who was the captain of the Thrashers at the time. And if you listen to Ray on TSN, you know he's a great talker. And I was like, holy cow, these guys are amazing. And this is a sport I would love to be a part of. And kept doing Thrashers games. And that's really where I kind of fell in love with hockey in, in that world. And it aligned with my desire to to tell stories and, and to write. And here we are. Uh, so, Craig, I can actually relate to you on some sort of level. So I actually played baseball at Adrian College. I had no intention of going into the sport of hockey. Now I do yeah. play-by-play for Adrian College's hockey team. And, um, yeah, it's just like it, this uh, industry is so interesting because you never know um, – where it might take you because and i think uh one thing i had to learn about being in this industry is that sometimes you have to be uncomfortable and you have to be comfortable with that because you know something can uh come up and if someone gives you an opportunity you have to take it because you don't know uh if you're going to get another one yeah and it's funny because the you know especially in the journalism world in in the hockey space there there seems to be you know, there, you have a lot of people who just got into it because they love hockey and they played hockey growing up and they're huge hockey fans and they're, you know, super knowledgeable about the game. And that's why they wanted to get into the world of hockey. And then you have some people that, that are like us that, you know, kind of discovered it and discovered how great a space it was. Um, and and I think on some level for me, it, it was an advantage because, um, A, I was for me, I was writing to a market in Atlanta that um that was still learning the game. So I could really, you know, as uh, it was easy for me to sit next to a player and say, look, I didn't grow up playing. Can you explain to me really simply what what happened out there? Right. And hockey players being the great people that they are, they would say, yeah, like if you're interested and you want to spend the time to learn, they'll tell you. And then I was able to convey that in my writing. And I think going in, not act, you know, not realize realizing what I didn't know, I think was an advantage for me on some level. Right. And, you know, it depends on the people you meet because you you can meet those diehard uh, hockey lovers who are kind of frustrated that, you know, you're doing what they've always wanted to do. And yes. like uh, sometimes yes. they, they could be uh, uh, in layman's terms, let's just say they could be jerks sometimes. But, you know, <laughs> for the most part, people, um, if you're willing to take the time and learn and just listen, people will be willing to help you out, not just in hockey, but in uh, life in general. Um so I guess that was your process of getting to the top. And you worked for the Atlanta Journal Constitution, as you stated, covering the Atlanta Thrashers. But then uh, you you had one of the greatest jobs that I think uh, any reporter would dream to have is you were a national hockey writer for ESPN mm-hmm. uh, from 2011 to 2017 and also sporting news from 2008 to 2011. Can you talk about uh, your experience with uh, ESPN and what was that journey like? Yeah. So that, I mean, it was incredible. And, um, I I look back at that stretch, you know, I was lucky to have it. They, you know, they took a, I was still relatively young as a, as a writer and, you know, I didn't have 20 years of experience. They, they, they were, I think on some level, probably projecting a little bit. Um, but you know, they, I got an opportunity. And like you said, when, when the door opens, you got to like slam through it. Um, and it was, it was great in working at ESPN, um, you know, opened a lot of doors when you phone somebody and you say you're from ESPN, they tend to answer versus, you know, there's some other places or whatever, where, you know, you got to wait in line and, and what it allowed me to do was form relationships with people around the league. Um, you know, I had 
I don't think I, I can think of one time where I was told no on a trip. I, you know, I could go anywhere I wanted, tell any story. And, and so it was such a great opportunity for me to be able to parachute in and get time with coaches and GMs and top players and be able to tell their story to a national audience. And, and then on top of that, get exposure on sports center or outside the lines or whatever, you know, on the television side, which was really good for me, you know, really to get that opportunity to grow as a journalist outside of the writing realm and, and, you know, podcasting or radios, it was a great opportunity, great exposure, great platform. Um, and it was, that's really where, you know, I would say my career took root and I was able to form all the, you know, many of the relationships that I continue to depend on today to be a, you know, a national presence in the sport. So um, I don't know if you know this or not. I am, uh, along with my mentor, Everett Fitzhugh, who's going to be the play-by-play announcer for the Seattle yeah. Kraken. Um, you know, we are one of few black hockey play-by-play announcers in the entire country. And obviously on your end, um, ESPN uh, doesn't really cover hockey too much. So yeah. during your, your your time with ESPN, what was it like just being one of the few reporters for that network just covering the sport of hockey? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I had to deal with, you know, we would write something, especially if it was like fans didn't agree with it. You, so you had to deal with the whole, oh, ESPN doesn't care about hockey crowd, right? Like if, if they disagreed with you, that was the response. Like, oh, you're the ESPN writer and, and they don't care about hockey. And what I found, uh, honestly, Trey, my experience at ESPN was it was quite the opposite. Like people in inside in Bristol, Connecticut, the, running the show are there was a lot of diehard hockey people, um, but it's also a business, and ESPN doesn't have the hockey rights, so they're not going to spend a ton of time promoting you know hockey in in when when they have Monday Night Football or whatever, right? So it's a business. So there's always that balance between. ESPN showcasing their properties that they had the rights to versus um, uh, really giving time to a niche sport. So, you know, it, it, it tended to be when I was getting time on Sports Center or whatever, it, it tended to be either uh, something controversial or a huge fight or, you know, something concussion, something that really went outside the day to day, you know, who beat who and who's playing well, um, and, which was fine. But what I appreciated most about ESPN was they might not, you know, we might not have gotten the airtime that we wanted on SportsCenter, but they really were invested on the digital side on ESPN.com. Uh, it, it, you know, we we covered the playoffs like nobody, like we had people at every playoff series and and really invested a lot of money and time and space and resources into covering it on the digital side. So I look back at that era of writers there and, you know, myself and Pierre Lebrun and Scott Burnside and Katie Strang and Joe McDonald and Scott Powers and, and, you know, Katie Baker from Grantland, there was a large group of people covering hockey digitally for ESPN that I, I think people forget how much they were, were invested in it. So uh, that was, you know, I loved that part of it. Um, and, you know, and, and so sometimes you had to deal with the frustrations, maybe not getting on TV as much as you wanted or, or more just that public perception that ESPN didn't care about hockey, which I, which I realized wasn't the case at all. Right. And that's what uh, people don't realize. Like I just say, the reason you don't see hockey too much is because, you know, they don't they don't have the um, they don't have the rights. Yeah, they don't have the rights to it. Similar to because, um, you know, they have the rights to like the NBA and the NFL. But uh, a couple sports that they don't really have the rights to are hockey and also to the MLB to some extent. But, you know, that's why you'll see more football and basketball highlights versus hockey and baseball to an extent on uh, ESPN. So. 
you leave ESPN in 2017, and then you become the uh, editor-in-chief for the NHL's U.S. branch for The Athletic. So uh, let's talk about your experience for The Athletic and just, uh, yeah, similar to ESPN, just that overall, uh, it's a great uh, gig to have. So can you just talk more about it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great gig now. When I, in 2017, I, most people didn't know what The Athletic was. And so that was that was kind of the soul searching that I had to do when I was weighing, you know, I got a contract offer from ESPN to, to stay and then a contract offer from The Athletic too. And at the time, the job was to launch our Detroit, um, our, our presence in Detroit, which didn't exist. We When I joined The Athletic, there was only Chicago, Toronto, and Cleveland at the time. And Detroit, they wanted Detroit to be the fourth city. and the opportunity I saw was to to move beyond um, just writing about hockey. I had an opportunity now to manage a staff, uh, to hire, to grow a staff from scratch. Like it was like it was like writing down a fantasy team. Like I'm sitting there going, okay, if I wanted a Pistons writer and I want you know a Lions writer, and and I start I'm starting from scratch. Who who are these writers going to be? And it was you know really a once in a lifetime opportunity, and that and that's what attracted me to the job. I was taking this huge risk leaving ESPN. And all of the um, things that come with it, but also getting this opportunity to do things I never would get otherwise at ESPN. Like I wasn't going to get a upper level management job at ESPN. That's just not how it was going to work. So uh, it was it was an exhilarating time. I mean, launching the Athletic Detroit um, in seventeen. You know, the first my, my my first hire was Katie Strang from ESPN, who has now gone become more, probably one of the best investigative journalists in the country at the Athletic. She's used this opportunity to to become that. And, and it's, it was awesome. And, and got to hire, you know, experienced writers like Brendan Quinn on college basketball, who is, and I'm biased here, but I think he's the best college basketball writer in the country and, you know, work and develop younger writers, James Edwards, we hired um, to cover the Pistons was covering preps and was, you know, super ambitious, like just ooze talent. And, um, you know, we just, he just needed an opportunity and boy, he's now, one of the greatest best beat writers in the NBA realm. So it was, it was fun to, it was fun to launch it. And then uh, concurrently we started to grow the NHL side, which I'm, you know, now, you know, running with James Myrtle in Canada and um, you know, then you know, hiring beat writers and growing that space uh, at a really fast pace. Cause we grew really fast was, was exhilarating and rewarding. And you know, it's, it's an opportunity that you'll, I'll never get again. I don't imagine. That must have been really hard to leave a well-known uh, news source like ESPN and basically not entirely start over, but you had to build up the athletic. As you said, in 2017, not many people knew what the athletic was. Like For me, I heard about it, but I, I didn't think it would uh, turn out to be so so popular. In fact, now you know when I see that you're the editor-in-chief for the NHL's U.S. branch for the athletic, I'm, I'm just like, the athletic yeah I, I i know what that is like and um uh you know it's it's nice with the uh advancement of social media and things of that nature of, of how it's just been this uh huge source now like it, it just became so much bigger than uh what it was just a few years ago and that's amazing to me yeah um, it's it's the growth like the uh, you know the subscribers especially in detroit like when we launched in 17 it seemed like every single team was just starting its rebuilding process so just from a pure sports perspective there it might have been the worst possible time and the willingness of the sports fans in detroit to jump aboard like you said on a on a company that was still uh, you know not 
nationally heard of like it is now uh, and spend money and subscribe to it, we, we, you know, we were blown away by the response. And that's what would allowed us to grow and to, to, to do other cities. And like all credit goes to the, you know, the subscribers that were willing to open up their wallets and say, okay, yeah, we, we want to take a chance on, on people that are doing a little bit longer form storytelling that are, you know, you really trying to report things out, taking more time on stories and, and it, it really, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing, but I can tell you, like, I would call writers to try to hire them. And I had the first 15 minutes was explaining what the athletic was and why I believed in the vision. And then it was like, okay, here's what your job would be. And now, now when we say, you know, we have a job opening, that's, we're not explaining who we are anymore. I can say that. Right. So uh, aside from writing for The Athletic, you you are also an author for a book called Behind the Bench, Inside the Minds of Hockey's Greatest Coaches. In fact, Book Authority uh, listed it as one of the greatest hockey books to ever be written. Um, uh, without giving out any spoilers, because <laughs> I'm actually compelled to read it myself, what's that book about? Uh, so the concept with Behind the Bench was that I would sit down with 10 coaches and watch a game with them that you know, that I had identified as maybe their, their crowning moment or their, you know, Stanley cup win or a gold medal win in the case of Mike Babcock, um, sit down with it and kind of get the stories of that game and the stories of their path to, to getting there. And, and, um, it turned, I mean, it turned out incredible. I got, I got incredible buy-in from the coaches, you know, Mike Babcock, Joel Quenville, Mike Sullivan, you know, Todd McClellan, it's just the, the John Tortorella, the best coaches in the game in, in, in that moment of time. And, um, they gave me this, the, the time and, and, you know, told incredible stories. And so really that book is about me, you know, it, trying to pull that off. And, and each chapter is each coach. Um, and so you get some color about, what, you know, the setting, their home, sitting in their office or whatever it is. Some stories from players that, you know, I interviewed beforehand. And, and I, you know, it's, it's been great. A couple of things have happened since since it was released is, you know, hockey fans bought it right away, which I'm thankful for. And now it's gotten, you know, an extended life in the coaching community because these coaches were so open with their their theories on leadership and strategy. And so now, you know, I've, I just did a podcast with a, a coaching podcast that had nothing to do with hockey, but they were just so fascinated by some of the insights from from these coaches. So it was it was um, a lot of work. It was a lot of travel during a time when I was still at ESPN, you know, traveling a lot. So thankful to my family for putting up with it. But it was I, I love doing it and I'm thrilled with how it turned out. Uh, the link for that book will be in the description below. You talked about uh, your podcast. You you host a very popular podcast called The Full 60. And um, what, what what's your show about and any advice for any young podcasters like myself? Um, yeah, I mean, so at the time when I launched the full 60 there, you know, it's changed now because the podcasts have blown up, but there really wasn't anybody doing, um, kind of the long form interview in the hockey space. I essentially, I, I, um, stole the concept, you know, the WTF Mark Marin, you know, the comedians where he sits and talks to him about their backstory and, and, you know, there was, there was hockey podcasts that existed, but a, a lot of it was centered around the news of the day. Or, you know, what trade speculation, all that, all the stuff that I love to get into anyways. But I, you know, I saw, I like to talk to people about these, this conversation we're having right now, Trey, just how they get where they are, um, some stories, some mentors, you know, th things they've learned along the way. And thankfully, you know, people are willing to spend that time. It's, each episode is an hour long conversation. 
uh, which is why the name's Full 60. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not like, you know, what happened last night in hockey. It's how did Bob McKenzie become Bob McKenzie? Or, you know, how did – I had a great conversation with some players over the – during the pause with, you know, Brent Burns and Tyler Sagan, recently one with Bobby Ryan, who just signed with the Detroit Red Wings. And each one has just incredible stories about growing up in hockey and, and you know, have the hurdles they've had to overcome and that sort of thing. And so that's – it's just a chance to, to stretch out a little bit, have a long – you know, very informal conversation. Um, and, and thankfully people have, have liked it. So yeah, in terms of my advice, it's, I, you know, I've always said to try to find something that, that people aren't doing that you enjoy doing. Right. So at the time, nobody was doing long form conversations like that. And now it's changed. There's other people doing it, but in that, when I started it, really there wasn't. And so, you know, I, I would try to try to find that niche in the podcasting space that isn't being done yet. Right. And, uh, you know, you, you said you've interviewed all these, uh, you know, well-known NHL players, the coaches, just getting into the mindset and just a different approach to how you do interviews. So I just have a couple of NHL questions for you. Mm -hmm. um, what's the greatest game you've ever been a part of, whether it be a writer, reporter, a podcast or whatever the case might be? Uh, I would say the 2010 Olympic gold medal game between us and Canada. It's, it's the best game I've ever attended live. The atmosphere in Vancouver was unbelievable. The celebration afterwards, um, went on. I, I remember talking to coaches that left the next day on the team Canada staff that going to the airport and there were still piles of people in the street celebrating, um, the gold medal win, you know, and the fact that it was Sidney Crosby, the greatest player of his generation scoring, to, to lead his home country uh, on home ice to a gold medal um, was, was incredible to be a part of, even as an American, uh, you know, secretly probably rooting for Team USA there. But um, in terms of the event, the magnitude, the gameplay itself, the fans, uh, it's far and away the best I've ever been to. And that's awesome to hear. So uh, just uh, one final question for the end of Shell. Do you have any predictions for the 2021 season? Like, what have you been seeing so far? Oh, I, you know, I, I don't, and and I haven't, you know, we'll do predictions at the athletic. And so I'll spend a little bit of time researching it. I think, um, you know, this, the divisional schedule, the setup, everything, you just throw everything, you know, out the window. Um, and it's, it's going to be a sprint. I remember the last shortened season was that lockout season. I, I really think it's smart what some teams are doing. Like if you're going to be really bad, like the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be most likely the Detroit Red Wings, um, this is the year to do it when fans aren't going to be in the building and you're only talking about a short, you know, half of the season or whatever it is. So, I you know, full credit, full marks to those teams. Like that's, I think that's a smart strategy. And for the rest of the teams trying to compete, I think it's, it's going to be such a challenge because you have some teams that haven't played in forever, um, I think it's going to be hard for goalies. You have this condensed schedule. Um, they're they're going to lean on starting goalies, and I think there you, you, maybe some guys might get overworked. Um, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you're talking about a prediction, I'm going to say may this, they may have the hardest time repeating of any Cup champ because of all the things we discuss. And not, not only that, to get under the cap, they you know they they move Kucherov to long term. He's out, so you have their best player who's not even going to be playing. And, you know, you're dealing with all the things that, that reigning cup champs have to deal with. I just think the path to them repeating is going to be 
harder than any recent cup champ. Well, Adam Danker, the host of Locked on Lightning, will not be happy to hear that. So obviously, <laughs> uh, we are locked on Devils. Do you have anything for the New Jersey Devils? Because, uh, you know, they've made a few signings, a few trades. And uh, for the most part, I don't know what they're trying to build, but it's uh, interesting to say the least. Can you provide in some insight to the best of your ability? Yeah, here's what I'll say about the Devils. And Devils fans know this already, so I'm not... You know, I'm not telling you anything they don't know. But the reason – they haven't gotten goaltending, right? It's just for the most part. Like goaltending, when, when you, if you want to oversimplify what has hurt the Devils, uh, that that's where it's been in recent years. And I loved the Corey Crawford signing. I thought it was as good a signing as we saw in free agency. Two years at $3.9 million per season. One of the most reasonable contracts given out uh, during free agency. I think Mackenzie Blackwood ends up really benefiting from that because now, you know, he's still young, whatever he is, 24 years old. 24, he, now, he just turned 24. Yeah, just turns 24 years old, right? So now the pressure, he doesn't have to carry the mail. Like you have, he's he's learning from a guy that probably is a future Hall of Famer. Um, one of the most underappreciated goalies of his era. I'm a Corey Crawford fan. Um, you know, the health is the issue, but but now you have a duo that gives the devils a chance every night. And I think that's going to be huge for them. I, I, like you, I mean, they're, you, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what the plan is. Um, you know, there's, there's still a lot of holes in that lineup, but when you have two capable goalies, that's going to, you know, that, that solves a lot of issues and that's going to keep them in games. And so if the young players can learn how to win games and, and Jack Hughes takes a leap, which, you know, I don't think is unreasonable to expect uh, from him. You, you know, there's a good chance they're going to be much more competitive than people realize. Yeah, uh, I stated this in just a couple episodes ago. I believe Mackenzie Blackwood could actually be one of the top goalies in the league, and he can be like the dark horse. Just the, the problem is he just didn't have any defensive help because the Devils had one of the worst defenses in all the league. And uh, getting someone like Corey Crawford, who's a former uh, champion with the Chicago Blackhawks, who's also a seasoned veteran, and this is probably going to be his last stop before he retires. So, yeah. um, you know, th that Mackenzie Blackwood can definitely benefit off of that. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the Devils take a leap forward. I need Subban to step up. I need uh, Murray to stay healthy. I need Hughes to do better because he was statistically the worst first overall uh, draft pick since Joe Thornton in 1997. But, you know, look what Joe, Joe Thornton <laughs> just say, it worked out okay for Joe Thornton. Yeah, worked out okay for Joe Thornton, but you know, I'm just saying, uh, even Patrick Stefan uh, did better than Jack Hughes statistically. And and Stefan, as you know, as a Thrasher, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how long you've been yeah. covering the Thrashers. He's now infamous for missing a wide open breakaway. And thank God they actually ended up winning the game. Otherwise, he would have never heard the end of it. And that's the only thing Sports Center would air uh, uh, if, <laughs> if they were if they were covering hockey. Yeah, they would definitely have aired that. That I'm sure they, they they aired it multiple nights. Here's what I'll say about Jack Hughes because it's timely. Is you know we're sitting watching the World Juniors right now, and I don't know when this is going to run, so I don't know if this is. But we're, you know you're watching the World Junior Championships. And the players that are on the ice, these are his peers, right? Like, you know, the Team USA guy, the players out there that are starring are the players that that, that Jack Hughes played with, that he that he was the best player on the ice with. Um, and so, you know, we can sit here and say, boy, Trevor Zegris looks like a superstar, which he does. But if Jack Hughes was on the ice in that same tournament, he would be blowing people away. I, I believe that. I've seen Jack play enough. Um, and... And yes, he struggled last year, without a doubt. But he still is extremely talented, extremely gifted player. Um, when you compare him to his peers, he's still, uh, you know, he still is where he has to be. And and I I I don't want Devils fans to be too down on him just yet.
I'll give him another chance. And, you know, I've seen his brother, uh, Luke Hughes, play uh, for Team USA uh, at the college level. So, you know, I haven't counted out, out Jack Hughes, but I need him to step up. That's all I'm okay. no, that's uh, fair. going to say. That's and, fair. And uh, my final question for you. So you're the – obviously, you're the author of one of the best hockey coaching books uh, on the market. What are your opinions on Lindy Ruff? Yeah. Uh, I, all right. So I would say I was surprised by the Lindy Ruff hiring. Um, but that said, I, you know, I think Tom Fitzgerald is a very smart man. And I, I was glad to see Tom get that job. That's, that's an intelligent front office. And, you know, Lindy Ruff, in terms of working with young players and developing offense, um, I, I think he's, he's proven that, that he's capable. So I, I, you know, I can see where people were like, holy cow, like that's that's the solution here, and and I, and I know there's a contingent of hockey fans that get frustrated with kind of the recycling of head coaches, and I think that, that those are all fair criticisms. Um, but you know, in this case, I, I, I look at the people who made the hire that knew the fit, that knew the personality in Lindy Ruff they were getting there, and I'm curious to see how it works. But I, I'm you know I'm willing to say okay, that there's there's a chance that somebody with his you know his mind is it may be just the perfect guy for somebody like Jack Hughes and that crew. I think people were just frustrated because of who else was available, like LaViolette and uh, Gallant. So, you know, yeah, I think. I, but like, if you're Peter LaViolette, where are you going? Right? Like Peter LaViolette got a great, probably the best job that was available in wash. So, you know, that's Gerard Glantz, you know, I, yes, I think, I think that's fair. I think I, Lindy Ruff wouldn't have been my choice amongst that trio of coaches, but um, but you know, there's we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. That's that's all we have to do. So, <laughs> I would, so I would like to thank my guest uh, Craig Custance for uh, appearing on the show. Check him out on the Athletic, and also check out his book Behind the Bench: Inside the Minds of Hockey's Greatest Coaches, and also check out his podcast Full Sixty. Craig, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Let me tell you something about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious. 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Oh my gosh, this is delicious. I've already had a few when I go out to the gym, and they are super healthy too. You're probably thinking, wait a minute, these bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Uh, 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 sounds like an unhealthy snack. That is not true. As I stated, Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for a keto diet. And you, yes you, I'm going to make an offer that you can't refuse. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get $10 off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off at BuiltBar.com. There we go. I repeated it so that way you don't have to rewind it go to builtbar.com and get your built bars right now so it was a great honor to have craig Custance up here on the show and just take the time out of his busy day to do this interview it was so much fun to do he provided some great insight and his career is stacked to say the least and you know he's still relatively young in this line of work so it was just nice to uh hear what he had to say and just hear his perspective on things and also provide you guys some perspective on the new jersey devils so you know you heard it from him let's give lindy ruff a shot and let's give jack hughes a second chance so uh that's about all the time i have 
have for you guys today. Continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Happy New Year's, everybody. Let's start 2021 off right. I will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.